Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we are here to talk about effective follow-up techniques to close more deals. Now, I know you've been there. You make You have a great phone call. And then you just don't know what to say afterward, right? They get off the call. How are you going to follow up? How are you going to keep their interest going? It's one of the most pivotal things you can do in a deal cycle. So we want to make sure you get it right. So they're in consistent contact and you can drive that deal to close. As always, I want to know, where are you guys tuning in from? We're usually worldwide. So I'd love to see some of these. Throw it in the chat. Love to see it. And also, be sure to switch your chat over to everyone. So right now it's in host and panelists. Switch that over to everyone so we can see what you host. So I'm seeing Rafael here from Brazil. Welcome, Rafael. We got Cole here from Utah. We got Mike from Boca Raton, another Florida guy. Welcome. Love to have you guys here. Love to see this chat blowing up. Thank you so much for engaging. And let's get into this. So who is today's speaker? We have a great one here for you today. We have Moore Asulin. He's the founder of FDTC. Now, Moore, when it comes to follow-up, what do you think reps are just getting wrong? Two things. Number one, I think they're trying to close on the follow-up when the goal of a follow-up is to stay top of mind. And two, um, if you go to my LinkedIn, you'll see it says, help me, don't sell me. A lot of the follow-ups are trying to see where the prospect's at in terms of the decision when they should be sending some value add email that helps the prospect, doesn't sell the prospect. Love it. I think that's so true. You guys can't be going for the close and the follow-up. It's just not the moment for it. There's a right time, right place, and that isn't it. <laughs> so we're going to cover this and so much more. But before we do, guys, we do this show daily. Yes, daily. If you guys want to see what we're all about, be sure to scan this QR code or visit us at sellbetter.xyz. There you can get tons of trainings and resources from over a hundred different um, sales professionals in the space. And it's all available right at your fingertips at sellbetter.xyz. So be sure to check it out. Now, we couldn't be able to do this without our partners. So special shout out to Vidyard, ZoomInfo, Win.ai, and Outplay. If you guys don't know about these tools, you need to check them out. They're some of the best in the business for upgrading your sales game. Now, our drop of the day is win.ai. I want to introduce this to you all. This is one of the best AI tools out there to make sure you don't have to be consistently updating your CRM, scratching your head going, what was it that I said on that call? Win.ai does it all for you by including an AI chatbot into your conversations and takes notes for you and tells you what were some of the key highlights so you can update that CRM in no time. So be sure to check it out. I'm dropping the link in the chat. Just give it a click. So what are we talking about today? But before I do, I want to know who is in the room. Guys, this helps tailor our conversation so well. I can ask specific questions based on who is in the room. Let me know. We have more SDRs, maybe some senior leadership or AEs. Would love to see some of these. If I'm seeing a lot of AEs, I'm saying, hey, more. What can AEs do to improve their follow-up post-demo? I'm seeing a lot of frontline managers. I'm going to ask more, hey, what can managers do to prepare all their reps for consistent and great follow-up? So be sure to fill this out. It really helps the conversation. 
So we're going to be covering today the optimal channels and timeframes for your follow-ups, how to craft that compelling message to really grab their attention and spark that action. And lastly, how to identify when you should move the deal to a close and rope, finish roping everyone in that needs to be in that deal and just drive it home. So I'm seeing here that there's tons of AEs, about 59% are AEs more. Does that surprise you at all? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, most, most AE or most people that are doing the demos or post demo follow-up or owning the deal is, are the AEs, um, not the SDRs. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. Okay. So let's get right into it. One of the most powerful things you can do post, post uh, meeting is a recap email and more. You had a phenomenal recap email framework. Can you break this down for me? Yeah, so um, it's incredibly, it's almost like disarmingly simple, but extremely powerful because it makes it really easy for the prospect to read the email and understand what the value is at and understand where they're at in terms of due diligence as they're evaluating your solution and others. And so what I've done um, that's worked for me and my students is the email should have a recap of the prospect's challenges and goals. So well, I'll show you an example on the next slide. We have one for everyone to, sh to, to see, but challenges and goals, potential timeline. So whatever timeline you discuss on the call with a prospect, you should include that timeline if you have it. And if you also have the reason for the timeline, like if they say next quarter as a timeline and you ask them why next quarter and they say, because that's when we're going to close another round of funding and we for sure going to have it next quarter, then you would include that reason as well. Um, at a high level, at a 30,000 foot view, how do you solve the problem, the challenges that they had mentioned on the discovery call? And then you should also end the email essentially with the next steps that you've agreed upon from the previous call. So imagine you're on a disco or you're on a demo before you end up the call, you set up the proper next steps, whatever those next steps are, that should be in the bottom of the email. And the last thing could be a PS or what I'd like to do is I always like to reinforce the 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 next steps just to reinforce it one more time and i'll show you on on the next screen all right now i'm seeing there's about 23 percent sdrs in here in the room so for those sdrs do you find that they need to send these types of recap emails as well um well they'll probably it depends how deep they go into into the discovery um some sdrs um that i've experienced they go very light on discovery and um either way though there should be some sort of recap email. What I would recommend is they should, like, they should send a follow-up email CCing the AE that's going to own that relationship and then sort of introduce this, the AE like, hey, let's say you're the AE, Adrian, and I see a Monica in here. So I would say, um, hey, Monica, it was great chatting with you. Uh, Adrian will be your, uh, your dedicated account executive. Adrian, this is what we discussed about on the call with Monica, blah, 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 blah. All right. Now we'd love to hear from our audience. Put a one in the chat. If you're an AE and you would love for your SDRs to do this. Put a two if you're an SDR and you already do this. <laughs> I'm sure your AE seems like Monica does that. Yeah. Good job, Monica. Let's do that. <laughs> Shout out to you, Monica. It's great to see. I'm seeing a lot of ones in here. You know, the AEs love this type of handoff. It is just great for getting the yeah. I'll make a little side note for the AEs. For so the SDRs are some SDRs are not doing this. You should do this. So the AEs that are in the room, I don't know if you do this, but this is maybe a little off subject. But when you 
do close the deal and typically there's some sort of customer success onboarding as a next step, that should be that same flow. It should be a handoff from SDR to AE introducing the prospect to the AE. Once the deal closes, AE should introduce that prospect to the CS person or the onboarding person on a separate email as well. Okay. So let's talk about how this email should look like. So we have an example here for you all of what a proper recap email looks like. Could you break this down for me more? Yeah. So this is a real, not made up. The only thing that's made up here are some small details, like the company's name that is not here in the names, but this is a recap email that I sent a prospect with, they have about six to eight AEs more or less um, that I just closed as of yesterday. And so this was one of the emails that I sent to them after my call. So Fred Sally's made up name, glad we were able to connect today. And I listed out the challenges and the goals. And I'm not going to read each one, but I'll just read the first sentence. Carrying the team's quota by doing sales herself. That was a challenge for the, for the prospect. It was a sales leader. What he'd like to do, the goal would be focus on leadership and pass on the baton to the reps. Now, there are some things that I'm doing in my follow-up emails, and I'll even do them on my calls. And what that is, is I'm using the prospect language in my in my language. So on our discovery call, the prospect said specifically, and I'd like to pass on the baton to the reps. I made sure to include that language in my email as well. So it's, it resonates. The, um, the uh, second thing, increase velocity in ramping up AEs currently takes them eight months to ramp up, wanting to be at three. So I'm including the goals and the challenges. The third one, hit revenue targets that VCs care about. Again, that wasn't my language. That was the prospect's language. That's why it's very important that when you are taking notes or if you're using Win or using another software, you want to pay attention to th- like certain words that they use that's unique to them. Pass on the baton was a very unique choice of words. Then at, as the framework goes, at a high level, I'm including more or less how I can help them solve that problem. Here's, how, here's exactly what we'll do to tackle that. First, 50% of the training focuses on preparation, discovery, tonality. The remaining will focus on demoing, objection handling, multi-threading. And lastly, revamp the sales playbook with modernized sales strategy. So I've covered two layers of the framework that I shared. And then the last thing is I'm sharing the next steps that my prospects and I read at the end of the call, either w- whether it was a discovery, whether it was a demo, more to send recap emails slash next steps. And then I sort of slashed it and I wrote included in this email. Then Fred and Sally to review gaps in current playbook. Uh, And third, speak next week to discuss uh, playbook gaps, onboarding and rates. So I'm including the next steps and the agenda for the next call that we have on the calendar. And the last thing I mentioned was I want to reinforce the meeting that we have. So I put in speak to you on Thursday. That's it. That's the framework. It's dangerously simple, but dangerously effective at the same time. I love to see this. Now, everyone, be sure to screenshot this. You can use this in your follow-up. It is a goldmine of a follow-up email because you get all of these different aspects here. You're using the prospect's language consistently, so they can already relate to the email. You're telling them exactly what you can do to tackle that, and you give the summary of the next steps, which is one of the most pivotal parts of the email. You're kind of laying it out for them. Here's how we're going to guide each other to this end post, this goal that we both have in mind. So this is fantastic. Now, I see here that you crossed off one point in the summary email. Did you do that just to show progress? Correct. That's exactly it. 
Love that. I love that. So be sure to try to do that tactic. That's a great one. It shows that the deal's already kind of moving in the right direction to whoever this might be forwarded to, which does happen a lot in sales cycles. So let's talk a little bit about different other other aspects of follow-up that you can do via email. Uh, in the pre-call, you told me you can do an overview, recap, a short video, or a value add. So we went over the overview recap. Can you tell me more about what you like to do in video or value add? Yeah. So for, and I don't necessarily do it every time for the, the video, but if we're talking uh, a recap email after your discovery or after a demo, um, sometimes prospects are just more visual and, um, and, and you're better on camera, you're better showman on camera. And so what you can do is you can do a summary of the, of the email that you had sent them over a video. So open up a loom, open up a video art, and then send them a short one minute recap um, uh, email in video format of whatever you discuss on the call. So that that's an example of how you can use video as a recap email. Um, and then as far as like uh, a short video for a follow-up email, I'm trying to give an example that I, I had sent. Um, it was, I'll tell you what it was. It was, I'll give you a personal story. So I was following up with a prospect and I knew they were hiring for a few AEs. And so, but that wasn't what the scope of work for me was. It was to train and do coaching, consult. And so I looked at the job description and I saw that it wasn't so great. It wasn't like enticing. It could be improved on the copywriting perspective. So I opened up a loom. I recorded my video. I said, Hey, Adrian, um, you know, I know when we spoke, you said you're hiring and I saw your job description. Hope it's okay, but I'm taking a crack at your job description because I think you can improve it. Here's what your job description looks like today. Here's what it should look like. And I had a Google Doc open up with like the updated version of what a job description should be. Now, that's not part of my scope of work. I'm not trying to sell them on that. I'm trying to help them. Help me, don't sell me. And so I recorded that video and I sent that to them with no call to action. None. And that's an example of a video, um, video follow-up that you can use that's value added. This is great. Now, is there... Um have you found that it's way more effective when you don't actually include a call to action? You're just kind of informing them. Does it come across more um, casual? It depends what type of email you're sending them. So if you're sending them a purely value add email, it's not, I mean, I don't necessarily track that as part of my follow-up as much because um, my goal of a follow-up, if the sale isn't made, if I know the sale is not going to be made for, let's say a few months or next quarter, then I'm not going to put a call to action. Um, because there's no need because I'm not going to try to close them on it. Maybe my call to action would be like, was this helpful? Maybe. Um, or I'll, my next follow-up would be like, hey, on that last email I sent you with that video, was that helpful? And I'll maybe sort of rolling over the call to action on the secondary follow-up or the third follow-up email. Um, but I found that an email that's value-add that doesn't have a call to action completely removes the whatever they, you guys call it, like commission breath. Josh Braun likes to call it, or everyone calls it nowadays. Commission it removes that because I'm not trying to sell them anything, which is refreshing. While every other salesperson is trying to sell them something, and if it's really value add, they will follow up. It's you know what it's like. It's like you're on a demo. You ask the prospect any questions, and it's it's if they had questions, they'd ask. So it's a it's a stupid question to ask. So it's the same thing. If they had a if they wanted to follow up with you on something that you sent them, they'll they'll do it. Um, so I don't think it's necessary for certain follow-up emails. For certain, for others, yeah, you probably need a call to action. Okay, that's a great way to remove that commission breath that you were speaking about. Yeah. It is very prominent. 
Now, I want to hear from our audience. What do you guys like to use for your follow-up emails? Are you doing more of those recap emails? Are you doing short video emails? Maybe some value-add emails? Or maybe there's just something completely different. And you can let me know in the chat because I would love to see some of these. So, oh man, this is already blowing up. Thank you guys for engaging with this. I'm seeing that recap emails are very popular, but those value-add are really creeping up slowly but surely. Now, you mentioned the value add could be something as simple as just doing something with no CTA. You're just kind of informing them. Are there other types of value add you like to use? Like, hey, I saw that you're yeah. trying. Can you yeah, tell me? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yesterday I did a, a workshop or a session with SalesHacker and I covered this and it was really, everyone was like, holy crap, this is amazing. So um, some of you may be doing this already. Um, maybe Monica, because she was doing the good the good thing before. There are four, four types of, so let's break down like the, the goal of the follow-up. The goal of the follow-up is very similar to, um, it, it, very similar to, sort of like a, a voicemail. The goal is, you're not going to sell anyone on a voicemail. It's more so to get them to call you back. The point of the follow-up is to generate a little bit more interest or revive sort of a, a, a dead lead or just stay top of mind. That is the goal. Um, eventually, it'll follow. They'll follow up, and you get on the calendar, and you can close them. But that's the goal of the follow-up, especially if they're not closing until next quarter. So there are four types of top of mind follow-ups. Um, it's funny, when I was in real estate before I got into tech sales, I was at a brokerage called Keller Williams. They said, you need to go door knock every day on XYZ Homes. And so we did. And they said, but don't pitch anything. The goal of door knocking is not so that you knock on someone's door and they're going to be ready to sell or, or buy a home and they'll think of you. That's not the goal. The goal is if you do it consistently and you show you bring value, when they are ready to sell or buy or they hear someone, they, they're in, real estate is synonymous with your name. And why? It's because you're constantly bringing value consistently. So how do you do that? There are four that I've found to be very effective. Number one, personal. An example of personal, it means has nothing to do with your product, has nothing to do with their business. For example, let's say you're talking to a prospect and they tell you, and you're setting up next steps. They say, you know what? Actually, next week won't work. I'm going to... I'm going to Italy for a vacation. I'll be back in a week and a half. Okay. And so you know they're going to Italy. What type of value follow up that's top of mind can you send them besides a recap email? Go on Google or ChatGPT or whatever the hell you want and type up five of the top restaurants in Italy for first time people that are visiting Italy or five of the top places to visit in Italy if you're going for only one week. Take that and then send an email and say, hey, Adrian. I know you're going to Italy. I'm jealous, whatever. Here are five restaurants you have to go to um, while you're there. Have a great trip. Boom. That's a value add email that is personal. All right. Um, so that's an example of one. The second one is business. When I say business, I don't mean your business, I mean the prospect business. So let, uh, the, a perfect example of that was the, the prospect that I was working, they were trying to hire, but that wasn't part of my scope of work or my product at least at that in that particular use case. And so I sent them a, a value add that added value to their business, how to like better solve the problem. So let's say you're selling some sort of email engagement tool and um, you're trying to get, let's say you're selling like an outreach or a mail shake or one of those, right? Or an outplay. Um, one thing that you can do is you can send them an email with 20 subject lines that would more most likely end up in spam if they use it. Because, and, and with no call to action, hey, Adrian, 
Um, I know you're evaluating different solutions right now, but one of the problems you said you're having was your emails end up in spam. So here are a list of 20 subject lines that you should completely avoid and 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 like block list in your email account, not use. That's a value add for the business. Has nothing to do with your product. That's two. Three, social. When I was a VP of sales and I had AEs on my team, they're following up, I told them, if you go on LinkedIn and you then connect with the prospect, or on Tuesday, you go in and you engage with their post, I consider that a follow-up. I know you have old school managers that need to track it. And so they need a follow-up is only a phone call or an email. No, a follow-up is the point of it is to stay top of mind. You can stay top of mind by engaging someone's post. So the third one is social. Go on their LinkedIn. And if they post something, put a meaningful comment. If you see that they're hiring for something, comment, hey, commenting for reach. That's a follow-up. That's value add. The fourth is addressing FUD. FUD is fear, uncertainty, doubt, and everyone has it. And you have different buying scenarios. So if you're if you have a prospect that's coming from Excel spreadsheets or manual process of doing things, or they're coming from a legacy software that they've used for like 15 years, their fear, uncertainty, and doubt is, well, how do I know this is going to be um, better or easier to use? Um, how do I, it's going to be too expensive because right now I use a legacy software that was really cheap. They have all these problems and concerns. So what you want to do is you want to address that in the email. So it could be something like, hey, Adrian, I know you've been using XYZ software for about 15 years. And um, you know one of the concerns that customers that used to use it that now had when they were evaluating is, well, could they, is it easy to use or could they migrate all of their data? And so here's an answer that I, I shared with one of our customers that had the exact same question. So out of the four, the last one has a little bit more to do with your product, but it's still addressing the prospect. It's you're helping them. You're not selling them on anything. So those are the four, personal, business, social, and addressing FUD. Now, those are fantastic, guys. Those are- <laughs> <up> yeah. <laughs> if you guys are watching this, you're going to watch the, the, the recording. Be sure to rewatch this. Those four value ads are so key to success with your email follow-up. I know I've been there. I'm like, man, what am I going to put in this? How do I add value? And I'm like digging into their profile, trying to figure something out. If I had these four types earlier, I would have been way ahead of the game. So be sure to jot these down and use them in your day-to-day. Now, we were actually going to cover something else right here into the you had a great point that you said in the pre-call and you said salespeople need to diversify their follow-up game. But I think you already addressed this with those four values. Yeah, yeah. I want to know rants right there. <laughs> phone calls, be sure to use everything. So I want to talk about one other thing instead, and that is on micro-closing. So the last mm. part, you're going to say, we want to show you how to drive it to close. So what is micro-closing? So micro-closing is, let me backtrack a little bit. You've heard the saying that discovery is not like a stage, it's the process throughout the sales process. So you don't you do not do discovery in the beginning and never do discovery again. You're always doing discovery. Closing is the same thing. The misconception with closing that is that it happens at the end. Closing happens throughout the entire sales cycle from beginning, middle, and end. Micro-closing means... And I, I we talked about doing a demonstration. So micro-closing means... When you are prepping for the call and you jump on the on the on the discovery call with your prospect and you're sharing your notes and what you've learned and you're asking them discovery questions and they're impressed, 
you've just micro closed them. You just earn a little bit more trust and credibility. It's like, huh, I like where this is going. Let's continue. When you are doing a demo and you're showing a feature and you're asking them after the feature if that is aligned with what they're looking for, and they say yes, absolutely, you've just micro closed them. You just close them on that feature. When you are at the end of your demo and you're going over pricing and you say something like, hey, before we go over price, I want to make sure that everything that we've covered is a fit for what you're looking for. And they say, yes, you've micro-closed them. And the way the way I like to think about it is you're stacking up your closes. So for demonstration purposes, let's say I have you have a, a, I have a cup of water right over here, right? A little murky in here. And so let's call the top of the water the close. I'm, I need to close them. Is it possible for me to pour water and it magically fills it up to the top? No. The water has to first go through layers. Layer one on the bottom, then I feel the water sort of stacks up, stacks up. That is what closing is. When you are going through discovery demo and you're asking for feedback and they're saying yes, you're constantly stacking up your close. And eventually, if you've done a good job throughout the, the entire sales cycle from discovery, from demo to close, then you're going to close the prospect. It's not like you have to wait till the end and then you ask for the close. You're, you're closing them throughout. That is what micro-closing is. I'll be here all day. I love it. Guys, make sure to really internalize this. You're not always just closing in one pitch and then that's when you wait for that moment of tension. You're like, ha, I got him. Or no, it's always micro-closing. Always be micro-closing, like Lyle said here in the in the chat. It's very true. You're steadily building that person to the overall arching goal of the close, right? And it happens gradually throughout the entire process. So, so important to note, definitely internalize this, everyone. Now, let's talk about vulnerable notices because we have a bit of time here. What is that? How can reps use this to be a little bit more aggressive in asking the right questions? Yeah, so I think for a lot of reps, um, something that they face and they tell me is they want to ask really direct questions, sort of like those challenging questions, but they feel very uncomfortable or it comes off rude or whatever it is. They don't know how to ask it. And so it either they try to, but it's awkward or they just don't. Um, and so vulnerable notices is a framework that I've created that allows you to actually ask direct questions without being impolite. So out of curiosity, because uh, for this to be really like impactful, Someone on the chat, what is a question that you find to be challenging, but you don't ask it or you struggle to ask it? That's like a direct question to the prospect. And then we'll we'll use that as a as a use case. Do you have a budget? Okay. Um, all right. So let's just say that's the question you want to go with, but you don't ask it because you just don't feel comfortable. Vulnerable notices says, well, what share your emotion with the prospect before you ask the question. So Monica, let's say you feel uh, um, uncom uh, you feel awkward asking it so early on. Let's just say for an example. So you can say something like, hey, Adrian, I feel a little awkward asking this, but do you have a budget for this? So I'm telling the prospect what I'm feeling. I'm being vulnerable with them before I'm asking the question. Or another approach could be like, hey, Adrian, this may sound a little like a premature question, but and then ask your question. So what you're sharing is not your feeling, your your emotion. You're you're sharing your vulnerability with a prospect before. And there are many ways you can you can do this. Feel free to kick me in the teeth if I ask you this right now. But and then ask your question. 
I love it. It's a really good way to just lessen the impact, right, of, of that tension that comes across with asking a really intense question. So th this is a great way uh, to really smooth those questions into the conversation. So really use these techniques, guys, they're so important. Now, before we get into Q&A more, where can the people find you? So you can find me on LinkedIn if you're not following me already. Um, I have, they're actually just released a 24 quantified pain question cheat sheet that you can download for free to so go get them. Um, and then the last thing is for, um, for those of you that know or don't know, I have a university, it's called FTPC University, where I am your coach. It's in a group setting. We have weekly live coaching calls um, and we have Slack community course content. But for the people that showed up for this uh, webinar or workshop, whatever you want to call it, you get 10% off the first year. And I, the coupon code is there in the chat, sell better in capital letters with a number 10. And then I made it, I opened it up till June 30th. So you don't have to make a decision today. You can wait till the end of the month, but you have that and you'll get 10% off. It's $9.97 a year, which is not a lot, not a little. And probably worth the investment based on what people are telling me. All right. This is great. Be sure to check that out, everyone. It'll bring so much value into your life and actually make you a extremely good seller. So be sure to check this out, FDTC University, and take them up on this deal because it's a great one. Now, we have time here for one question in one minute. Uh, Megan, yeah. let's know, what, what would an AE, would like to know when an AE needs to stop with follow-ups? Um, yeah, so I don't typically stop with a follow-up unless I've lost the deal. And if I've lost the deal, then maybe my next follow-up would be six months or 12 months later for whatever, you know, like to check up on if they're open to exploring another option and to see how it was. That's the only, one way I'll stop a follow-up. The other way I'll stop a follow-up is the prospect literally told me, no, that's another, that's like a clear, no, I won't follow up anymore. Um, but most of the time, I'm not stopping the follow-up. Um, and remember, my definition of a follow-up is to stay top of mind, which means social, engaging on LinkedIn, liking their posts, is considered a follow-up. You're still top of mind. So what I would do is I would save that lead, that prospect and sales navigator for a list of the deals that you're working, maybe create different stages like your CRM. And then the, if let's just say they're, I don't know, delayed or they're stalling, put them in another list in sales nav for stalling. And then have your notifications up and engage with their post. So I don't stop following up because my definition follow up is engaging, liking, posting. Again, unless they tell me to f off, and even if they did, they didn't tell me to f off on engaging with their post just to follow up via email. <laughs> Love it. Well, guys, be sure to put this all into your process for follow up. Thank you so much, more. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, you bet. To everyone for really lighting up this chat and for being here today. We will catch you all on the next one. See you later.